Welcome to the latest episode of Idaho Common Ground. I'm here with my wonderful wife, Erin, and I'm Lucky. Join us as we have political and philosophical late night conversations to hopefully reach some Idaho Common Ground. Welcome back to... Our downstairs? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I was going to say something nicer than that, but yeah, it's just our downstairs library area. Um, so I welcome back to the studio. (laughs) It's late, so just so you know, everyone, we record this a little bit later in the evening, so we're a little punchy by this point. We're punch drunk, yeah, for sure. (laughs) It's been a long day, yeah, it has. Every day's a long day in our household, it really is. (laughs) It's never a time frame when we aren't completely consumed by one meeting or another, my work, the kids' school, or sporting events. <clears throat> or something to that effect. We never have a dull moment. And so the only time that you and I even have time to really even see each other most of the time is in the evening. And these are the conversations that we typically have. We yeah. kind of go over the details of um, our kind of um, hobbyist <laughs> political lives where... Um, you know, it's literally the topic, you know, our kids roll their eyes all the time because it's all we talk about. Yeah. And, um, it never used to be that way in our marriage and in our lives. I mean, we've been married or in March will be 18 years, Yeah, 18 years married, um, and been together for 20, um, or thereabouts. And so, you know, the first I don't know, 15 years of our marriage, we were more concerned about raising kids and and running a business and surviving surviving and just, you know, normal life stuff. And, you know, obviously um, we moved out of the Seattle area um, back here in 2016 um, to, like everybody else, to... um, pursue a better life for our kids we didn't want to raise them in that kind of urban city environment which is so ironic because that's why we moved over there in the first place was to raise our kids around arts and culture and in the city environment and then we were there for five years <laughs> oliver was born we're like no no let's get out of here yeah. and um realize the error of of living there. I mean, we did get a lot out of it. I'm not going to say that we didn't. Oh, yeah. One of the things that we did get out of it was perspective. Um, and I think that's kind of where, you know, after discussing today, you know, what we wanted to talk about tonight, and it, it seems to be a hot topic pretty frequently in all of our chat groups, um, is the perspective of the out-of-state refugee the west coast refugee if you will versus the local the person who grew up here who lived here their whole lives who's lived here for 20 years plus whatever the the local Mm -hmm. you know um and there's there's a lot of infighting that goes on in that and i think that because of both of our backgrounds um we we definitely have a a, a very unique perspective mm-hmm. on both sides of that that i i don't think um i think we could actually offer you know a bridge to a lot of people in the idea that we can actually uh see things from both sides of that fence oh, yeah. and 
Um, I think that it's something that we can offer to people. Um, what are you, we don't even know what you're offering. What are you offering? <laughs> I am offering a a bridge, a marriage, an understanding of the locals versus the out-of-staters that seems to be a continuous conflict of infighting within our groups. Not oh, even, yeah. And there's weird offshoots of it, too. Like, a lot of the local Democrats seem to think that the only people screaming at any of the city council meetings or NIC meetings are these crazy out-of-staters from California who moved here just to try to turn everything red. And then... The locals who are annoyed by the ever-expanding growth and the traffic and the cost of living going up and the housing going up and all that caused by all these people migrating here. And I get it. I get it on both sides. And I think that due to our both of our historical perspectives on this, um, we have a really good possibility of being able to kind of maybe find a middle ground for both so that we can work together. Oh, yeah. So I hear that a lot too, that actually a majority of the people that I speak with are not from here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they come at me from a perspective like we just left a place who was going through this, who has already gone through this exact topic that we're talking about. They've already gone through it. They've already voted in a liberal manner and totally screwed up our hometown. So now we're moving to Coeur d'Alene or Kootenai County to get away from that because that area is totally screwed up. Right. And so they can see the writing on the wall um, and they can see the progression of what's happening here in Kootenai County. And they're trying to stop it. They're trying to wake the people up here to um, get them to understand that the apathy or the voting in a certain direction is changing this area from a red to a purple. Right. Um, And before we go too far down that path of kind of solutions, we should probably set set down the you know the history of of why we have a good perspective. Nobody knows that. So you uh, were born down in the San Diego area. Your parents were both police officers, and in the the cop gold rush of the eighties um, where they were giving out flyers to all of the law enforcement in California to retire up to Coeur d'Alene. Felt like it. It was a, it was a word of mouth. Well, at least from on, on our side. So yeah, you get, you move up here when you're what, nine, maybe almost 10 years yeah. old. Um, and your parents moved up here. Your dad was doing concrete. Your mom Ended up working for Avista for a really long time. But you and your siblings grew up town kids. You were townies. You lived outside of town. You lived rurally. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but, you know, you were the first four-year graduating class of Lake City. Yeah. Yeah, you were the first freshman class of Lake City. Yep. Uh, you graduated early. You were 16 when you graduated. Um, so... And then you went straight into, you know, after graduation, working and living on your own. And you and I met. But my history, so you've you've lived here the vast majority of your life. Oh, yeah. I say that I grew up here. So when you see all the people ragging on you for being from Seattle and that you 
uh, don't know anything and you came over here just to change, they have zero idea of what they're actually talking about. Yeah, it's funny. I just I let know it go. you blow it off. <laughs> yeah, um, because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't about. know what they're so, talking about. But mine is a little bit more back and forth with the jumping back and forth. And um, I, you know, strangely, I have a weird family history here. So my grandmother grew up here. Um, and basically all of Hoffman Estates up there in Dalton Gardens was my my great, Practically all of Dalton Gardens. Yeah, was my great-grandfather's dairy farm. And in fact, all the roads up there are all named after my grandmother and her six siblings and all of Hoffman Estates. That's her maiden name. And he had a dairy farm up there and an artesian well. And he was actually, um, the house that he built for my great grandmother, that all of my grandmother and all of her siblings is still on 15th. That's so crazy. (laughs) And, uh, they went to the old, you know, the old Dalton schoolhouse. And then after that, my grandmother graduated, from Coeur d'Alene High School. Wow. So, and then after the war, they, you know, um, she met my grandfather. They got married at St. Thomas's Church in 1951 before they moved to San Jose to finish up his college. He became a uh, chemical engineer. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Six kids, Catholics, you know, whatever. But my mother would come up here to visit her grandparents in the summer. So she spent a lot of time in Coeur d'Alene. Well, when I was 21... My parents decided in 1999 to um, to get out of California. They were kind of on the tip. But um, before that, I grew up, spent some time in Southern California in an urban environment. Then we moved to Northern California where we went to the other end of the spectrum. And I was living in the middle of the woods. <laughs> um, beyond power and phone, raising wolves, living off grid before it was cool. Yeah. And like this was 80s, right? Like yeah, this 80s was 80s off grid. Yeah, 80s off grid. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and you know, built a log cabin with the trees off the property, had an outhouse till I was 15, and homeschooled my entire life. So, you know, when we get into the school topic, probably in one of our next episodes, we'll discuss homeschooling versus public schooling. And, um, I, I will probably have a lot to say about that, but. Um, you know, so I lived off grid, rural and urban. And then when in my teens, I moved down to Southern California and went back and forth a lot. And then when I was 21, I moved up here. I moved when my parents sold the cabin and got out of California, they moved up to Coeur d'Alene to build spec homes and do real estate stuff for my, my grandmother and moved my sister up here. And, um, so we, then lived here, you know, I lived here for about six and a half years. And in that time frame, you and I met, got married at the same church that my grandparents got married at in 1951. And we got married in 2005. Yeah. Uh, shortly thereafter, we found out we were pregnant with Kate, had Kate, and we wanted to, there was a, a number of different reasons why we were moving. There's a number of different reasons. Arts and culture, man. Arts and culture, man. We're going to live by the fish market and (laughs) buy flowers every day and go to art school. Oh, how young we were. Yes. (laughs) So, of course, we move over there and and it doesn't work out anywhere near what we thought. We just went straight into the working grindstone just to survive. And and we, you know, we built. We built a business. We had another child. Um, You know, we, we did pretty well over there for nearly a decade. 
Um, but halfway through, we realized this was not where we wanted to be. You know, so we decided to move back over in 2016. So we've got Seattle living, Southern California living, rural living, but also lived here for a long time, both mm-hmm. of us. You know, so at this point, I've lived here for nearly 13 years. That's so weird to think. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's you're still just the California boy. <laughs> I don't know why. I, but. I, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but it was, but it's weird that, you know, I'm... I've been here for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and we keep getting thought of as people who just moved here and started stirring the pot. And to correct the record, that is not the case. Right. That being said, history aside, now everyone knows. Um, now what that does, though, is it provides you and I a very unique perspective that a lot of people don't have. They're either on one side of the fence or the other. They're either... I've lived here for most or all of my life and I'm a local or I just moved here in the last five years and I have a lot to say and a lot of emotion about it. And, um, and it seems to be causing conflict. So now I get it from both sides, the locals, man, there's nothing more annoying than, People moving here, not realizing that they're raising the prices of everybody's housing without, they don't realize it. They just come here and go, oh, wow, housing's cheap and blow up the house. Here's $700,000 cash. Yeah. Because I just sold my house, my crap house in California for a mill. Yeah. You know, so this is a deal. And so, you know, they don't realize what they're doing, but they are fleeing. You know, these people are fleeing their uh, Western states because of what's been going on over there and so the locals are irritated with them and it's because i don't think either side is listening to the other i think people are moving into a rural area thinking that it's still metropolitan they're they're operating by metropolitan rules and edicts um and how they conduct themselves in a smaller community and i've learned this in the past you know um you can't do that you can't go road raging you can't tell someone off you can't say something and not expect them not expect not to see them yeah in super one or the gas station you're gonna run into these people so you have to conduct yourself in a different way you know and we we forgot that when we moved back um Mm -hmm. and so i do remember having that big city mentality in a small little town going this traffic is nothing right or (laughs) They have no idea what's actually out there. That type of, kind that, of uh, that egotistical, uh, haughty, haughty kind mentality. Of mentality. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it, it was just natural. It happened It's natural naturally. and it's pervasive. It's yeah. throughout all of them. They don't realize they're doing it. And it comes off as arrogance and it mm-hmm. comes off as holier than thou or, oh, patting on the top of the head. You just don't know what the world's really like. And it's... um they're it's, partially true yeah it, it's, right I and mean, to a degree yeah, yeah. but it, there is um nuance that needs to be explored there 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 is a um a grace and a courtesy that they need to really understand that these people are going to find you 
really annoying <laughs> if you do that. Yeah. And they're going to then turn on you and they're going to put bumper stickers on their car that say move back to California. Um, or don't California my Idaho. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what they could learn or listen to is a couple of things. They need to learn the history, the ethics, the etiquette. They need to listen to the locals. They need to listen to the pace of the locals, adapt and, uh, and assimilate to the pace, much like we ask anyone coming over the southern border or anybody coming who moves in from any other country. We go, hey, assimilate to us, learn our language, be a part of our community, love our community um, and understand it, understand the pace of life here. And they don't. And it takes a little while for them to assimilate and acclimate to that. Um, much like the weather in Idaho, you have to learn to acclimate to it. Um, it's also with the pace of life in Idaho. And I think that a lot of lessons could be learned if the people moving here realized, A, you are in a sense invading. And you need to be, when somebody else is hosting you for the first couple of years, you need to be present and understand that and you also need to be um courteous and and polite mm -hmm. there's a politeness that needs to be brought to the table of oh i'm sorry i didn't know could you teach me hey what did you what how do you feel about this what's the way and the other thing is also um when you're moving here you there's it's often said that there is a difference between a california conservative and an idaho conservative and it's true it's because people from california or like and we're just using that as an example because it's the main example but you know western washington oregon any of those urban central western locations um that what you have fought for in conservatism there is the scraps it's the scraps it's what you are holding on to due to the fact that that's all you had in a liberal area. So you held on to it, but you were used to and accustomed to living within a limited freedom. And then you move to a place that has absolutely open freedom and they will protect it with a sidearm on their hip and a middle finger in the air going, you're not taking mine. This is my dirt. You're not touching it. And so they have a different set of ideals in a state that's been red, like thoroughly red for a very long time. When you move from a blue area as a conservative, you're not as conservative as the people that you're moving to. And it would be in your best interest to adapt to that, too. Because um, so you're moving here for a reason. You're moving here for a reason. You realize what they've built here. You right. realize that's why we moved. You know, like we realize what they built and it drew us here. We're like, that's the shining star on the hill. We're moving there. And instead of going, um, you know, because there's the caveat, there's always the voter caveat, right? I'm a conservative except for this one thing. I have a, I have a gay cousin, so I'm kind of okay with the LGBT stuff. Um, or, um, I'm like mostly against abortion, but, I'm okay with certain parts of it or so I'm going to vote in those type of ways where it's my one caveat. And I think that I could better this area by voting with my one caveat, which is, I always make, and I've said this to you all the time. Um, I always make the, 
comparison of the tattoo shop owner who, you know, has 13 artists and I have a rule book and a set of rules that I've, you know, that I've set down and they're simple. They're easy to follow. There's nothing extravagant about them. There's nothing that is ridiculous about them. It's just how we operate as a business and all of them sign the paperwork and, and join the, join the team. But all of them seem to want to obey 95% of the rules, but they want one caveat. Oh, but this doesn't apply to me because I'm special. I just want to have my one thing. Well, it's all one different thing. And before you know it, every one of those 13 people have a different thing that they want a caveat for. And somehow management and ownership has to somehow figure out how to deal with that. No, the rules are the rules. And that's what made this shop awesome what drew you here you wanted to work here you wanted to live here you know so um no you don't get to have that caveat you get to abide by the rules that you moved to that you asked for a job at so um and that seems to be the case on a you know that's the the, the micro scale version of it and the macro scale version of it is a red state that you're moving to idaho and so leave it behind if you're going to come here Put that behind. Vote the way that they've been voting here for, you know, the last two decades. If that's what drew you here, go, okay, how do they vote? I'm going to vote the way they vote because I want to keep it the way that I, that I saw and wanted and that, that drew me here. So, um, and so there's, there's a lot of things that I think that the, the people moving here could learn from the locals that they could adapt their personalities and their also, and you know, they could adapt themselves to moving when they move here. What um, do you mean by that? Um, I think that if you're relocating yourself or your family to a, a new area that matches the ideal that you're looking for, then you need to adapt to the ideal you're looking for. Don't bring your ideals from California, Washington, or Oregon, any of them. Leave them all behind, like a Sodom and Gomorrah situation. Leave it all behind. Don't look back. Leave it all behind. And come here with a fresh start, learn from the locals, adapt, and be, you know, assimilate with the people here. And I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to keep this place what we want it to be. The other thing is, is that a lot of people, unfortunately, and I don't know really what the solution here is, a lot of people moving from out of state also are doing it to save their kids, their teenagers, their kids in their early 20s. They bring them with them, and these kids are crossed arms, blue-haired, and they, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them for wanting to save their children. You know, they saw what the schools did to them down there and what the environment did to them down there, and they're like, this is destroying my child. I have to get them out of here. Um, and so they bring them here, but the problem with that is that they're bringing blue voters with them, you know, and I don't really know what the solution is to that because I can't blame them for bringing them here, but, um, you know, it needs to be recognized. It needs to be maybe talked about and explored, um, as to importing of, you know, the purple haired children, they, them children that are about to start voting, about to start voting and going to our colleges mm -hmm. and influencing our kids too. Lord save me from those who 
my best interests at heart. Lord, save me from sleeves emblazoned with hearts, from fools who blaze horses in front of their cards, who care less for learning than teaching, for they know not of what they are speaking. On the other flip side of that coin is the locals. And the locals love them. God bless them. And they are a wonderful, heartfelt, earnest people. And um, it's another attribute of what drew us here. And we've made a lot of wonderful connections in this town. However, they are a bit naive. And they think that all of the things that the Californians and the Washingtonians are screaming about is not a problem for the state of Idaho. That is a problem. It's never going to happen here. Not on our dirt. That's problems for the West Coast states. That's problems for blue states. Don't you're freaking out. That's not an issue here. Um, and they're not listening to these people who are literally um, packing up everything they own, selling everything they own, and moving here and fleeing from those places and screaming. There's a monster at the door. It's here. It's here right now. And it's going to do what it did to our home here, you know, and um, it's been falling on a lot of deaf ears. I mean, you and I both know that most of the people that we associate with that are the loudest and the meanest and the ones screaming the most are refugees. Yeah. At every city council meeting, most of the, you know, school board meetings, the county commissioner meetings, all of those meetings are typically people who are terrified that they move to a place and it's going to turn into the place that they just left. Yeah. And so they've been battling down there and they've got a lot of the resources and understanding on how to do that. So they tend to be at the forefront. And um, I think that the locals need to harness that. They need to accept it. They need to listen to them and they need to realize that, hey, no, these people are, are warning us and we need to do something about it. Well, my problem is, and this is a long time problem that I've had with my family. And so, um, and I know it happens all over the place, but um, my family, when we moved here, one, my parents rarely voted, you know, except for mm-hmm. the presidential general election. Um, And then they never knew, they never did research. Well, there was no internet back then, so how do you do research? But even when there was internet, no research was done because they just vote for the R. Whoever the R, you just vote down the line, just the R. Because the R has our best interest in mind. The R has to be conservative like we are because that's why they're an R. Yeah. Whatever the case is. And it's not the case. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't it, been for a while. It hasn't been for a long time. Yeah. However, they didn't know that. My parents didn't know that because they don't pay attention. Right. And you don't know that unless you and pay attention. To be fair to your parents, no one was paying attention. No. They were They were amongst many people, most of the populace here, that just plain and simply put the trust in the R. Yeah. Myself included when I first voted... Um, yeah, well, ever until COVID, essentially, I just voted for whoever the R was. Yeah. It didn't, I didn't know the names. Yeah. I had no idea if they were good or bad. They just, in my mind, it was an R, so they had my best interest in I mind. think in, in our marriage, you and I uh, have voted in multiple uh, 
general presidential elections, but mm-hmm. never we never voted in the midterms. We never voted in any of the other ones. How I, it, I did. Yeah. Because when we lived in Washington, everything was mail-in. So oh, yeah. they would just get mailed to our doorstep. And so I'm like, yeah, fine, I'll vote. I don't know who these people are, but okay, I guess. Yeah. That was that was it. Um, but only because it was mailed to me. Yeah. I didn't know that it was happening. <laughs> yeah, which is another huge problem for those mail-in votes. Oh, yeah. Like, people like you who were just marking off boxes and throwing it back in the mailbox, Pretty not much. knowing anything about what Nada. you just did. Um, and that's what they lean on for that. But um, different topic. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, you know, we, I don't think we ever even discussed voting. No. You and I never talked about it. Like we talked about it on the presidential stuff. Like, oh, are you going to vote for McCain? Are you going to vote for Romney? Are you going to, you know, like, but never, ever did it ever really come up. I voted for Ron Paul and I don't even think you knew that. No, I don't think I did. Yeah. So I wrote his name in on one of them because I liked Ron Paul, but you and I never discussed politics. Well, and that's how ignorant and oblivious we were. And that's how, and I was just, I was raised that way. Yeah. Most people, now there are the exceptions and those people are fabulous, but most people in this area just, just voted in the general presidential and that was, they just voted for the president and whoever that was going to be and whatever, you know, not too far down the line from that. Um, And that is a problem that we're seeing you know voting that way for so many decades got us into where we're at now yeah yeah it did yeah and that's what drives me insane and that's one of the blessings of like of covid not only did it wake us up in a sense it woke up the country oh thank god and this area especially i think um you know i wouldn't say that we had you know everything to do with it obviously not but you know, I, th- I would like to think that we had a little bit of a part of like kicking the hornet's nest and hopefully, you know, waking up some people and influencing people to say, hey, come on, you got to vote at the midterms. You got to vote at, um, you know, all of the local stuff is the most important stuff. You know, sure, vote for the president, but vote for all the other things, you know, and well, um, that's good because I didn't learn that lesson until COVID. To be yeah. honest, mm-hmm. um, but there's still a lot of people that are still asleep. Yeah, and so I think that's where the um, the benefit of having the out of staters come in and like yell at them yeah. from their doorstep and go, "Look, people, you need to wake up because there is a monster at the door and yeah. it's coming your direction and you have no idea. So we yeah. need your help. And Let's we've fight seen this it. off. We've seen it in person. Oh yeah." So in the Seattle and King County area, we've seen it in person. The policies that are at our doorstep right now that they are trying to implement in our libraries, in our schools, are, have been in full effect over there. Mm-hmm. And it's For what years. it's what made us move yeah. because we saw what it was doing to businesses, to schools, to the crime rate, to the homeless, and everything in between due to those policies that they are not even slowly implementing here. They are fast tracking it here yeah. and we don't have enough people and boots on the ground to fight it. And we're screaming along with all the other Californians going, we need to stop this, yeah. you guys. And so Yeah, you're right. I think both sides of that really weird residency coin need to work together. Yeah. In that way. They both have attributes that need they need to oh, yeah. that 
that's a marriage that needs to happen. We need to, if we could get these two people to learn from these two groups to learn from each other, it would be an unstoppable force. Oh yeah. You know, and I need to stop. Sometimes I get arrogant. Like I was at, I was trying to get to a meeting at the St. Vinny's um, community center the other day. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, it's the old library building. Coeur d'Alene Library, that used to be that building before they built the one by City Hall. <laughs> L- go, Just go to the old library building. Oh, you don't know where that is? Oh, here, let me tell you. You know, and I <laughs> catch old... myself doing that every once in a while. I'm like, shut up, Aaron. You the sound Coeur ridiculous. Meme. I remember when that was a field. It was, they were all fields. <laughs> <sighs> I remember, it, I remember before Lake City was there. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was a freaking field. Yeah. There were no houses around it. You could see it for a mile in every direction. Right. Oh, my God. I'm old. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I got to get better at that because um, I'm so thankful that we did move to Seattle because I personally was able to get outside of the Coeur d'Alene bubble yeah. and see what it is on the other side. Yeah. And then bring that experience back to the bubble, which thank God there's a bubble. Yeah. There, I'm so thankful Happy there is. It. Yeah. However, we need to use all of those outside experiences from the people. Yeah. And use them to our benefit. Yeah, 100%. We have to do it. We have to get over this arrogance. Yeah. Um, I really like that your family's here for a million generations and you can trace your heritage back to like the 1800s, but it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. And I'm not saying you, just people in general. Oh, I know. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's here now. Let's move forward. Yeah, absolutely. But Um, I love the history of it. Keep, keep telling me the history. Well, and that's the thing is that the, the history is important. It's important to know what the roots are of this community in order to be able to preserve them you can't preserve something if you don't know what it is yeah and so um that's why i said the history is necessary for these new people to understand and really explore they really need to look into it they really need to understand why the value structure is the way it mm-hmm. is here where it came from why the people have why the people here are here what is the reason why um, their principles and their values are the way they are yeah, you're marching and matching Che Guevara t-shirts Yeah, you're so damn conceited, it's starting to hurt You were born into freedom, so you don't know it's worth And you constantly speak of solutions But you only repeat revolution You know, somebody said in some stupid Facebook thread that <laughs> you were, um, that you were clout chasing and that you were looking for power that you were looking for really yeah um (laughs) okay i know i chuckled um (laughs) that you were always next to power but you'll never really have it and that you were looking for that you're looking for some type of political positioning and i laughed because honestly the way i see your and my you know especially your i'm just the, the support team but um but your position here is nowhere near that what i think that your goal is and what your whole mission is is you know you're not trying to get power you're trying to get people to wake up and vote and work together and work together mm-hmm. and you're trying to get um people aware of everything local politically to shift the tide yeah to get people involved to get people in action that seems to be the mission not to 
rub elbows with people to try to get yourself into a place of, of position of power. We're not in that no, place. No, I come from an administrative assistant background. So I'm the one that is just gathering the information and giving it to everyone else. Right. So, and that's... That's where I fit in. That's that's yeah, my you thing. Excel. I, I excel at it, and yeah. I am not modest about that. And so, but I want that information to go to everyone. Right. So let's work together and get all the information we can, because everyone has their own gifts. Yeah. We need all of them. Well, honestly, I'll <laughs> I'll tell you. You know, nobody knows you better than I do. And I, yeah, yeah, that's um, it. myself it... included sometimes too. <laughs> no, yeah, you are definitely involved in that statement. Um, <laughs> I know you way better than you. Um, but no, what I was going to say is that uh, it has actually been, if anyone knew you as well as I know you, they would be as shocked as I am. They don't realize how shocked I am at how upfront and out front you've been, that you've been putting yourself on camera, that you've been writing, that you've been standing up and speaking and talking at like um, events and at um, you know public uh, comment, right? And that you are doing a podcast that you're speaking like you. This is not normal for you. No, and people don't realize that they think that this is you know you're. Uh, looking for attention, or this is something that you do. Um, on a, on this is natural to you. This is something no. that you want to do. And I'm I like, slowly no. die inside every time I'm I out in public. I know, <laughs> and that's the thing is that people don't realize that yeah. that this is so much work for you just to be this out front, yeah, and vocal and in front of a camera and all of these things that are happening in the last two or three years. That uh, people don't realize this is way out of character for you. Well, and that that's all COVID. Right there. Yeah. Thanks to COVID. Normally, it's me. I know. Normally, my tattoo career has put me at the forefront of the cameras and doing interviews and, and it's all been of glorious. those things. And I have gladly passed it off to you because you're. What has surprised me the most is not that you're so out of character in doing this. What has surprised me the most is how good at it you are. That it has come so naturally to you. It's like all of your life skills have all culminated into something that uh, has real meaning and that you're really good at. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, I didn't mean for this to turn into the... No, but people... People need loving to... hour. <laughs> well, I love you every hour. Oh, thank you. But um, well, that's, <laughs> Ditto. that's not true, actually. There's been some hours that I haven't loved you. <laughs> um, All right, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ditto. It, it was, I guess it was a white lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, and it's not meant to be. It's not. I'm not. I'm not meaning um, to rub your wheat here. I don't even know if that's, <laughs> that's a, the weirdest. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. Oh my god! I made that up. It's fine. I'm um, feeling very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm not. That's not what the the point right. of what I was saying was. The point of what I'm saying is, people need to know that they need to know that um, the raw reality of of how you got into this and how we got into this together and how out of character it is for us to do this. Yeah, we were chasing the. 
the tattoo family dragon for years. Oh yeah. You know, going to tattoo conventions all over the country and, and doing tattoo conventions. And up raising until our kids raising at our, tattoo yeah, conventions. This is not yeah. <laughs> where we saw ourselves. No. We've talked about this. This is not somewhere where we saw our futures. We could never have guessed even five years ago. This is what we would be doing. Um, so it is, it is definitely something I need to point out to people um, and I like to do it in person all the time. I tell, you know, if I've got, you know, 20 minutes with them and we're talking about this stuff, I, I kind of let them know, you know, no, this isn't where we meant to be. Like, this isn't what we were trying <laughs> yeah. to do. Um, but she, you know, but she, you, um, are very, very good at this. And, um, but it definitely was not where you had planned on no but but covid covid was a blessing in disguise yeah. it really was because it really brought out both of our skill sets to be able to wake up and understand what was going on locally mm-hmm. we were we had a a great idea of what was happening politically on a on a federal level and even a world level but nothing local yeah um and so if it can happen to us it can happen to Everyone else. Everyone else. Because no one wants to go into politics. And if you do, something, you got to screw loose in your head. Something's wrong and you probably shouldn't go into politics ever. But um, that's the the beauty of the hodgepodge of people coming into this area is because they have all different types of skill sets. And we really need to work together as a team to, to fight this bat... God, I hate using these words. The battle, the spiritual battle that's happening, we know it's there, mm-hmm. but also just the um, philosophical battle yeah. that's going on right now. Yeah. That's yeah. been there for a long time. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. We weren't paying attention like everybody else. But now that's the point of what I think um, the people moving here and the people who live here, there's a great awakening that's happening and they're, they're, seeing each other for the first time yeah and um there's gonna be like any step family there's gonna be some conflict at first there's gonna be those step siblings that don't get along because they don't get each other yet but give them a couple years and some understanding some long talks and a couple of punches to the mouth (laughs) and um and oh man sooner or later you're gonna have an unbreakable family unit. Yeah. And, um, I was thinking my, um, my, uh, imagery was actually from the movie Independence Day where they're about to fight the aliens at the, at the ends, the last battle. And you had the, they're starting to gather around the world fighting. And then you had the Israelis and the Muslims like standing right next to each other, staring at each other from across the way. But then working together to fight the aliens over them. I don't know. That's just, that's what I was thinking of when you, I didn't go the step sibling route. I went the Independence Day route. I was hoping you were going to say we were all like drunk farm pilots. Or, (laughs) that would be us. Or in Braveheart, you got the Scots and the Irish. Yeah. They were standing on either side and then. Join, like join, join together. forces yeah yeah. yeah. there's so many great movie analogies that we could apply to this scenario um but yeah <laughs> because it's so real yeah 
Oh my gosh. Dude, we're punch drunk. Yeah. It's late. That's um, okay. But no, I think that, you know, if, if we could maybe convey a message to the public that, you know, all of our friends from afar and, you know, the locals, that all the people who have merged here in one way or another, that if we could all take a step back and realize that we aren't each other's enemies, we aren't each other's problems, um, that we can, that we have a common enemy and that we need to uh, kind of put the focus there together and learn from each other and talk to each other. God, do I sound like a hippie? I sound like a hippie, huh? Yeah, oh, kind gosh. of. Um, I feel like we need some romantic background music or some motivational music. Edit, edit some, yeah. you know, like inspirational. Right. Yeah. Speaking of movies. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, in the wise words of Forrest Gump, that's all I've got to say about that. Thanks for tuning in to our conversation. I hope we didn't scare you away and that you join us next time on Idaho Common Ground. You say that for omelets, you're gonna need to break eggs. But if you follow your logic, you're soon breaking heads. To patch your polemic, you tear us to shreds. You'd steal all our voices for your thunder. Your politics, nothing but plunder. And we will not be judged or be put into place. As no more than members of class or of race, we're free.